So. Incestuous time jockeys, it's time to dust off your starter jackets, rip off those tearaways, and blow into your game cartridges. I'm Sam Blanford. I'm Pat Sellers. I'm Sean Kelly, and we wish it was the 90s. Welcome back to episode 12 of our X-Men animated series Watch Through. Ooh. Um, it's a time. It's a time. The back end of season four. A uh, couple of shout-outs to kick off the pod. Um, Craig, our bot, who let us down this week and came back online today. Um, I think it's important to point out the fact that we're recording this podcast during the second half of an All Blacks Bledisloe Cup test match at Eden Park. Pretty much the greatest game of the season. Um, <laughs> but here we are. Ooh, 32-7. 32-7. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, here we are, um, and for all our dear listeners and followers who are slogging through X-Men with us, don't be afraid to maybe give us a little review, a comment, a like, a subscribe on any of our platforms. It means a lot. We've worked out the algorithm. You don't have to say something nice, but you just have to give five stars. Not so if you will. Um, obviously all are on all the platforms, all the ones that count anyway, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, uh, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. I think there's a couple other ones that were on as well that just sort of popped up through through the system. But I mean, Bebo. <laughs> <laughs> Bebo came up about 15 minutes ago in my household. <laughs> <laughs> Give it, a, uh, give it a heart. Did did someone give you their their heart for the? We were talking about we we're talking about how Shah's uh, fucked off about it. We were talking about how Shah's like real accident prone, and we're talking about when she slipped on a rock and hit her head on the heafy track doing a Duke of Head tramp, and posted a photo of her jewel black eyes on Bebo, and that's actually when I slipped into her DMs and this romance began. <laughs> oh, here we go. What happened? Are you okay? Will you be at East Ab on Wednesday nights? She's got two black eyes. I've got a chance. Yeah. <laughs> Good while she's down. Um, I think I was quite late to the Bebo scene. I reckon Bebo, I was on Bebo and then like a week later people were talking about Facebook. I was at uni at the time. Yeah, that is late. Although I, yeah, because I, because when I was at uni, all, all we did was go to those, um, those like computer lab rooms because you know computers were connected by wires in those days and <laughs> go on facebook and play that wrestler game hey we were a good tag team yeah it was a good game i I still remember my wrestler fondly camilla sanfuegos <laughs> oh is this about x-men <laughs> what what's going on here hey what's up <laughs> Was I right? So, no, this, this is the Bebo episode. Just uh, let it go. <laughs> was I right? Is uh, it, was, do we have some incestuous time jockeys in this episode? Well, potentially. I've got questions. I was just going to sing, uh, have yourself a Morlock little Christmas to start it off, but uh, <laughs> we'll get to that part. 
Very good. Um, before we get stuck in, um, today we cover off Lotus in the Steel, Weapon X Lies in a videotape. Have yourself a Morlock Little Christmas and Beyond Good and Evil's 1 to 4. But I want to do a quick shout out to uh, Jace Toy. Um, I bumped into Jace at the Indoor Cricket Nationals last weekend. I've known him a long time. Um, he's been around the indoor, cream, uh, indoor scene since I was a teenager. But um, we're just having a, you know, how's it going? He says, by the way, big fan of the podcast. So, thank you, Jace. I think he's requested a Tekken episode. Sorry, Jace, we don't do Tekken. Too butt and bashy, Mortal Kombat or nothing. Um, <laughs> Happily High School legend. Oh, there you go. But hang on, Mortal Kombat, you know, it's, it's in the works. So it's, you know, stay Yeah, well, Mortal Kombat was going to be released when this epi- episode's released, but, you know, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was, that was during the Bledisloe Cup as well, wasn't it? Anyway. <laughs> 37-7. Um, okay, Lotus and the Steel. Um. So Wolverine's losing it. He, he doesn't know who he is anymore. He, he can't control himself. So he quits the X-Men Cyclops style um, and returns to rural Japan from his younger days and to find himself, right? Um, and so he's working peacefully for, uh, for, a, um, for Oku, a monk who was some sort of spiritual teacher of his from the past, and um, they're building a temple. Um, the neighbouring village is about to be attacked by a bandit, by a bunch of bandits on motorcycles, um, who are led by the merciless silver samurai. Um, unless payment is made, your, your classic gang warfare: um, pay up or get out. Um, and some of the villagers want to fight back. Um, and ask Wolverine for help, but he's like, yeah, well, you know, I'm here for peace, and I don't want to fight anymore. But um, um, he gives in to, you know, what he does best, and he he bests the uh, the Silver Samurai in, in single combat um, by taking advantage of um, the Silver Samurai's teleportation methods. He keeps teleporting behind Meg, and if there's one thing Meg knows, it's a how to jump up on someone from behind. Um, and, um, yeah, and and so he humiliates the Silver Samurai. I think Jubilee turns up to lend a hand, really doesn't do much at all, but was worried about Meg, which is cute, I guess. And, yeah, that's, that's the episode. Sam, you were really looking forward to this. What do you think? I think you mentioned it when, we, when it was the, uh, the time where he goes to the ice. Such a similar, pretty much the same episode. It's even got the young guy who's been a bit of a dick. <laughs> yeah, so it has the same storyline. It's got the the troubled youth, uh, the brother of um, is that Yuriko Yuriko's brother or Yuriko's brother? I thought it was the brother of whoever the other new bird was that gave mm. Meg a kiss at the end. But that's where Yuriko's from, right? Yeah, he went. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, I, I enjoyed it. It had a lot of Meg. Um, obviously, it was a bit disjointed from the last episode. I don't know why Meg had suddenly become so... Um... Well, I was going to bring this up, because quite clearly, the next episode should have been before this. Because yes. at the start, when he's having PTSD flashbacks, 
it flashbacks to heaps of Weapon X stuff, which we see in the next episode. Yeah, because like um, um, Sabretooth, pop, the, the similar scenes with Sabretooth in each year. Yep. Yeah. I'd say it's quite um, almost like a modern style of storytelling these days where you get like, you know, the episodes that come after that tell you a lot about what was going mm-hmm. along in the one previously. Speaking of Sabretooth, how good is it when he, uh, A, his, um, his haircut in, in, in the old days, but B, when he says to Meg, can't take care of your woman. <laughs> Sabretooth tops up a bit. He's great. Um, That's in the next episode as well. So you've stolen my quote for the next episode. <laughs> and I'm gutted too because you do a great Sabretooth. He's out of control, which uh, you know, I found out recently. Also voiced for the same person that does the Tasmanian Devil and the Looney Tunes. <laughs> um, interesting things. Um, we've talked about this before. I, about, like, I just thought that. Anyway. <laughs> um, does the, the time scale of these events of the series we're watching because when Jubilee's flying off to follow Meg, she's still an absolutely awful pilot. <laughs> All right, yeah. It's a miracle she gets from New York to Japan. Speaking of doing a terrible job as Chuck opens up, and I'm going to keep calling him Chuck, by the way, um, is um, just another terrible job of being someone's therapist that sets Meg on this journey from the get-go, um, which is quite dangerous, really. But he goes to Japan, and we go to Japan, so that's quite cool. Chuck's a um, therapist. I got at the start, Silver Fox, question mark, fan of Sabretooth, tasting some cake icing. What? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. That's a note. That's I love- <laughs> one of the better notes <laughs> that I think is going to come out. Yeah, it's good. Um, I've got... Um... So, so the so the young guy who keen to fight keen to fight back is Soichi, um, and he gives a great speech to the village about it's better to die fighting than to blah blah blah. And I was like, he's really channeling Mel Gibson from Braveheart here. <laughs> Dying in your beds many years from now. Um, Did Braveheart also- come out? <laughs> I want to say like 90... Oh, yeah, that would be in there. 3, 92? In the 90s. It predates this episode. Put it on the whiteboard. 90s. <laughs> 90s. I'd, I'd love to do a Braveheart episode. Yeah, yeah that'd be great. Um, um, can I ask you a question, Sean? What Patrick, are ask away. Silver Samurai's powers? Mm-hmm. Is it is one of them teleportation or is he a tech wizard? No, because he, he's, he's a, it's a tech thing. Okay. That's extremely vague. <laughs> I think the, the way Meg defeats him is by destroying his teleportation device. That would happen. Okay. Um, After waiting yeah, for so maybe, long for this episode, I was a bit disappointed. Is, is this, does this episode, is this also a crossover from uh, Fast and the Furious 1? <laughs> a lot of the henchmen, a lot of henchmen and motorcycles look like the same henchmen from Fast and Furious One. Are you saying one of them's Han? 
sounds like you love Fast and the Furious way too much. I'm a Tokyo Drift kind of guy. <laughs> um, what did you think of the Japanese-inspired music during this episode? Delightful. Sam, yeah, no thoughts? Yeah, there was some interesting um, cultural, you know, some might see it as racist. Mm. Not so much the music, but uh, yeah, just some other things. Yeah. In the How many of these voice actors were actually Japanese? Yeah, the... Um, I guess? The main guy <laughs> calling me, what was his name? The, the Master monk. Oku. Yeah, who just calls him Rogan the whole time. Oh, uh, one time he calls him Logan-san. No, Rogan-san. Oh. With, with a very uh, English accent. Did you like when the villagers beat the motorcycle goons with sticks and fish a la the Ewoks in Return of the Jedi? <laughs> you know, I'm a big Star Wars fan. <laughs> He, oh, he, you love anything to do with space, so. In fact, I'll wait to hear what later. you think about Beyond Good and Evil. <laughs> <laughs> the only other thing I had written down was what the hell happened to Jubilee's jacket? It's got massive pointy shoulder pads in this episode. Speaking of jackets, that bomber that Meg was wearing, sign me up. <laughs> These seven episodes are just like Meg galore. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. yeah. I'm very surprised you haven't ripped off about 13 quotes by now. Being out. There's a few coming up, mate. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jace told me to, to hold fire on the uh, on the Meg quotes. Oh, really? They're my favourite <laughs> part. That's what and I come I, I've stopped I'm, writing them I'm down. one of our three listeners. <laughs> uh, right. Should we get into Weapon X lies in a videotape? Yeah. Sounds like... Sounds like uh, Sounds like a porno. So, um, I think six lies in a videotape is a reference, is a pop culture reference. Oh, is I'm it? I'm just going to look it up. Um, definitely some great quotes in this. Um, Sabretooth, this is where Sabretooth really grew on me, but I guess we'll get to I, I, I also really enjoyed Sabretooth in this episode. Oh, Six Lines in a Videotape is a 1980 movie starring James Spader, Andy McDowell, and others. Should Andy McDowell would have been young then. Yeah. Um, right, so what happens? So a cryptic photograph unleashes a flood of maddening, painful memories for Meg um, that threaten to drive him insane. Um, to keep his mind from being torn apart, he takes, well, Beast goes with him to travel to a location that may hold the answers to his hidden past. And it's the ruins of a Weapon X lab where Wolverine's bones were laced with adamantium. There he encounters some of the other former test subjects, Sabretooth, Maverick and Silver Fox, um, who are also going through some sort of trauma and uh, they find out that many of their memories were implanted and their true memories are destroyed with the lab. Thoughts? I'd like to, uh, I'd like to gift all of my time to Sam for these Meg episodes because 
this is the most he's this surely is most the most he's reveled in this X-Men series, which I mean low bar, but still. Nah, so I um I reckon the season one so much better. And I don't know I don't think it's, it's yeah. I don't think it's X-Men fatigue. Like I think I think the storytelling has and I don't know whether and it, I don't know whether it's indicative of the comic books um and they're making it's like harder to depict them as a tv series um or whether they just got lazy um i i just don't they're really focusing on meg which is great because i love meg but i actually think that takes away from it a little bit um i enjoyed the other characters a lot like when you're dipping in and out of their storylines earlier on oh that's good yeah that's great quite good insight like sean you're 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 the local X-Men expert, but they probably do put a number of comic books and flashbacks from comic books into, like, basically two episodes here, which is probably quite a hard story to tell. It's cramming. There's a couple of things. First yeah. on Sam's point, it's the, it's the Will Ferrell thing. So, like, a lot of the movies where he's the lead aren't great. Some are. You know, Elf, for example. But a lot of them are a bit like, but of them are a bit. Um, the one where he's much. an alcoholic in a lawn chair. But when he's like a cameo or a side character, like old school or even like in Wedding Crashes or whatever, he's just phenomenal. Like he brings yeah. so much. And there's a little bit of that with Meg. Um, but I think this comes from like a 80s mini that tried to delve into Wolverine's past. But if you think about it from like a comic book perspective, it would have been, you know, five, 10 issues or something like that. And it was in the eighties. So it was dark and gritty and, and all that sort of stuff. And so if you were into Meg, you read that and you're like, fuck yeah, who's this Dr. Cornelius? Who's Silver Fox? Who's Maverick? Who are all these characters? And you learn who they are through the comic. But one episode, it's like, What's going on here? So a lot of that. with 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 Meg not being a a great leading role, are you trying to say that Fox made the wrong call with that Wolverine Origins movie? That's controversial. That is a very bad movie. Don't watch it, Sam. <laughs> I'm going to watch in the in the next school holidays. I'm going to watch an X Men movie. Um, I would Ooh. definitely watch. I would definitely watch the spin off. Um, Maverick, Sabretooth, Meg, Beast, and I don't know her name. I've just got her as Greeny in my notes. Silver Fox. Is that because that's Silver Fox, Greeny? That's Silver Fox. I would definitely watch that spin off. I thought that was that they were great together on screen. You might, you might not have to watch the even worse one, possibly worse than <laughs> Origins. Is what, what was the second one called? Was it called The, the Wolverine? Yeah. Where he goes to Japan. Um, um, what's interesting, those characters, right? Because they're, with the exception of Sabretooth, who's an X Men villain, but really tied to Wolverine, Maverick, Silver Fox, um, and, you know, like the, all the Weapon X stuff is like Wolverine stuff. Because he's the first X Men character to have an ongoing solo series and he still does like because he's so popular 
So he's got his own world within the X-Men world. Whereas a lot of the other characters don't. And that their their world is fleshed out in X-Men comic comics. Um so yeah, I, I don't I don't mind the episode. Um I was good at, I really liked this episode actually. Yeah, it was yeah. Good. Some great I, quotes from both Sabretooth and Meg. You slime sucking dirtbag. <laughs> Hairy little fireplug can't take it. <laughs> I've just got the one that Wheeler partly did earlier was What's wrong, punk? Can't take care of your woman. Mm. I should have known. <laughs> I really like that because the I should have known part makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> a um, couple <clears throat> oh, yeah, go, Sam. There you go. I, I had a uh, I had a pang of feeling sorry for tooth um with the flashback. Are you talking about Jebediah Creed? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, that could just be the animation, but seemed like um, was Sabretooth a preteen mutant? Yeah, potentially, because some like we've seen that with Nightcrawler, right? He was born the way he looks. Um, maybe he didn't develop teleportation until puberty, but he was born looking like a That's little demon. Hmm. Yeah, so yeah, Sabretooth so- was born looking like a cat. So puberty just made his voice gravelly. Hmm. Maybe his claws made, it, got made, him, made him sound like a WWF wrestler from the nineties. Triple H could Triple H could do a good saber tooth. Who's had about fifty packs of green holidays? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good nineties crossover. The other good nineties crossover from this, I always think that uh, the Weapon X costume of Wolverine with like the head suit and stuff on always looks like a kid playing with those. Uh, at home laser tag systems. Yeah, that's what I put. Like laser strike. Looks like he's playing laser yes. strike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good night. Yeah, it's a lot of good ninety stuff here. What was your name at laser laser strike? Looking. Uh, mine was NZ Army because I was always going to join the army when I left school, and my old game <laughs> told me at seventeen, "There's no way you're going to become a cop or going to the army." And uh, I didn't ask any questions. What did you say, Bob? Did you say yours was chicken? Yeah, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> oh, chicken. Actually, chicken. actually, chicken. without it, without a shadow of doubt, that was my second laser strike name. My first one was Gambit. <laughs> That's good. That's very good. Is it because you're a creep? No. Uh... <laughs> uh, mine was short um, stuff because I was very short. Like Nick. And... Um... I remember distinctly my my good friend George Bevan. Some would say my best friend. Um, his... but that some wouldn't be you, would it? <laughs> I've also talked to George about this recently, so yeah. He also uh, says he doesn't listen to the X Men one, so this is just funny. His name was outrageously Bulbasaur. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, oh, I'm gonna write <laughs> that down. That's good. Yeah. A couple other things I wanted to mention from this episode is um, they they go into Meg's drawer and he's just got a greatest hit of his exes in there. <laughs> um, and uh, um, Talos 
who I can't even remember who Talos is, but he's he's like a robot thing that oh yeah, that's right. It's the robot that comes out to destroy them towards the end or whatever in the Weapon X facility. And I was just like, he's got uh, nipple guns like a fembot. <laughs> oh yeah, fembots. Good stuff. Also, Talos is the name of the main scroll in the MCU now. Mm, mm. But not knowing much about the scrolls, save the super scroll in the comic books, I don't know who Talos really is. I, I kind of thought he was only an MCU character. Maybe he is. Maybe not. Um, I don't know, but yeah, he's played only... by Ben Mendelsohn and that's mint. Oh, he, yeah, Ben Mendelsohn playing Ben Mendelsohn being a shifter, which is great. Um, if you were to full time boys 4014 to the All Blacks fuck you Australia but not our Australian listeners I love you if you were to guess how many episodes we're through of X-Men now what would you guess accumulative like episodes that we've of pods or episodes we've watched episodes we've watched uh, Surely more than 30. There's like 17 already in oh, yeah. season four. Oh, really? 61. Nah, cause there's, there's about 60 odd, or maybe 70 total. So, oh, there's, oh you maybe 60? Because there's not Stay, many in season four. Let's you just mugged off the- my 61 and came back with 60. <laughs> Fuck you. It's taken, <laughs> it's taken 61 episodes. But Meg jumping on someone's back worked. Hang on, wait. Was I right with sixty-one? No, oh, I don't know. I, I just care about right now. I just went with sixty-one. <laughs> I have absolutely oh, yeah, no idea. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, very good. Um, one other thing from this episode was uh, our old mate Beast, who I felt like he was going to become the best character of all time in the early early stages. In this rewatch, and he's just not very well used. But anyway, he's. It was just, my name is Mister McCoy, madam, not Blue Boy. I thought he was a doctor. He is a doctor. He doctor. Isn't he Doctor McCoy? It was the one thing that, well, like I couldn't watch the rest of the episode because I was going, "Are you Doctor McCoy?" I like Blue Boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe you should go with Blue Boy. If he's not going to call himself a doctor. Blue boy, it is. And some real humility from Hank not to call himself a doctor, unlike <laughs> Ross Geller on Friends. <laughs> All right. Ross Rex. Anyway, let's go. <laughs> Would you like to have yourself a Morlock little Christmas? Oh, yeah. Can you so the X-Men are preparing for a festive Christmas um, and Jubilee's very excited as a, you know, a foster child and, you know, feeling like she's found her family and um, um, Meg's not having a bar of it. He hates Christmas. So um, Jubilee Storm and grouchy humbug Wolverine go last minute shopping in Manhattan um, only to end up embroiled with a life or death Morlock situation where um, Leech is dying and Leech needs a blood transfusion and so they want to give him Meg's blood for the healing factor. I don't know if that's how blood works, but okay. Um, And um, Storm also relinquishes her leadership back to Callisto and uh, Hank turns up in time to... uh, to make sure Leech is okay and um, 
Cyclops is a terrible singer. Mm. But I mean, hits the right notes. Meg plays a great role as the Grinch. Mm. Which I he really makes like. a great Grinch. He calls a couple of the Morlocks Tunnel Boys, which is a big, big, <laughs> big plus for me. Uh, when it when it's realised that Meg can potentially save them, uh, I'll be paraphrasing here, but it was saying like, maybe there's a way. Is that what you want me to say? <laughs> and then I, all I could think was, do you want to wait? Barrels of hay, lay by the bay. <laughs> <laughs> I just may. <laughs> what do you say? Um, it was a fun little episode. This is great. I was so apprehensive because I'm not. I'm not a big fan of the Morlocks, but I had a great time. But to be fair, the best times had in this episode were in the X Mansion kitchen. Oh, what that this? Is exactly what, what this I've here? Got. You're cooking. It's called food gambit. Normal Christmas food. This need a little gambit magic, little can, little time. <laughs> I've got the best moments when uh, Gambit's blowing up about no one eating his dinner. When um, something happens with the dinner and they talk about, I don't know, putting it in the microwave or heating it up. Like, oh, no, because you know, they're talking about heating it up later. And gambit does not make TV dinners. <laughs> Jean Grey's like thinking about summoning the phoenix in the kitchen at the start. <laughs> she she's stroppy in this episode. She's not interested in Gambit spicing up her uh, her Christmas dinner. I don't know if it was mentioned when I was um, off screen, but uh, we got two good new nicknames for Meg in this episode: uh, Grumpus and Wolvie. That's um, good. Grumpo from Jubes. Yeah, both Jubes. She brings something to this episode. Um, I think Wolvie speaks for all us humans, or sane humans anyway. Um, Has Wolvie not been used? Christmas Eve shopping? You're crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, you've, you think you've, of, really, you got, think you've really got the Meg uh, down. Yeah. We've all got our part to play, Pat. Your Sabretooth. Sam's uh, Meg and I'll do a little bit of Gambit. You both, yeah. you both scared me off of doing Sabretooth ever again after talking about the growl for fucking the next <laughs> four weeks. Jay's toy oh, loves it, by the way. He loves it. <laughs> there it is. Um, what do you guys think of Storm's outfit in this episode? I know we like to talk about Storm's civvies. Love the civvies. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember them. But I, like th- this episode made me think of, I think, the f- one of the first episodes... It was definitely the first episode that the Morlocks... Oh, maybe. Maybe first or second episode that the Morlocks showed up. We talked about uh, we were not really enjoying the Morlocks when we were kids, but really enjoying the episodes that featured the Morlocks now, for some reason. Mm. And I, I felt like this again. I was like, I, I quite enjoy... I quite enjoy the Sawmune. Yeah, like I said before, like I was genuinely not looking forward to this episode and could be the best of the bunch. Easy. Oh, I would, I, yeah, so that's kind of thing, like when you're going with low expectations, they can seem good. I went in going, this is going to be awesome. And yeah, I reckon it was my favorite episode out of this bunch. That's fair. Um, it's good to see um, 
It was good to see Omar Higgins pissed up on eggnog from Bad Guy Bar. <laughs> um, I just got one other thing that I I noted in this. Um, so this is Jubilee's first Christmas in the X Mansion, right? Yeah. So that means that everything that's happened in the four seasons so far is <laughs> one year, under one year. Well, don't get me started on the fucking time travel. <laughs> Well, sh- that's a good segue. Mm. Beyond the good and evil, part oh. one. So Glad. St- I remember you saying a while ago when we were talking about um, meeting up in person for a series and you were like, let's not do Beyond Good and Evil because it sucks. And you were right. It sucks. And I don't understand how it can suck because of the characters that are in it. This was, so this is my thing that I noticed when watching it. Like... I think this is like indicative of Hollywood to a certain point because what they've done is they've gone, all right, we'll do a four episode crossover. We'll get everyone back. Everyone's in it. Bishop, Cable, Archangel, these cameos galore, Magneto, Sinister, Apocalypse. Everyone's here. This sounds but it's awesome. just like, watch it. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Um, all right, let me give my brief. It's the year 3999 and Cable attacks Apocalypse. But Apocalypse steals his time device and uses it to arrive at the axis of time, which causes Bishop to be thrown off course and trapped in the axis of time. Body slide by two. (laughs) In the present day, Gene and Scott finally get married. Uh, Just as they're driving off uh, after the ceremony, after Gambit had made their car look really nice, the nasty boys kidnap Gene, leaving Scott behind. Shard travels, Bishop's sister, or lover, probably sister, but maybe lover, travels to the present day in search of Bishop and arrives in time to see Mr. Sinister trying to take Xavier. What do you... Mm. And that's been the show, everyone. We'll see you next week. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Apocalypse Sister's great. We never... He's on screen. You yeah. shall pay for your hubris right now. Um, Blasphemer, you defile my sacred tra- chamber. Yeah, he's just fantastic. Um, so does Gambit call... He calls Rogue Cher, mm. correct? Mm-hmm. He calls Jubilee Cher at the wedding. I think it just means female oh i thought it was like a um not an intimate name but you know like just like a, a cute, cute cute name thing. that he called yeah. rogue because i've never heard called anyone else share and an interesting moment when rogue catches the bouquet and says something along the lines of what good will this do me just you know character development for her there i guess um, lazy character development i'm sorry yeah that's fair um uh, what else? What else is interesting? Are um, we doing all the all 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 four parts in one? <laughs> no, we do, we're doing episode one. Just quickly though. Yeah, very quickly. Um, getting, <laughs> one one thing out of this first episode that I thought was very important to our canon in terms of this podcast about expand the animated series is if I can't smell them, 
we ain't finding them <laughs> from Meg. Which does that not confirm that smell powers are the most important powers in this universe? I'd have they to can't say find so. them through the smell powers. <laughs> they ain't got no chance. That's One would Meg's lead name. me to believe so. I mean, we're all in agreement here. Um. One thing I know, one thing that I wrote down that was hilarious is um, the professor sends everyone off to find Cyclops and Jean, and we just get this phenomenal shot of Storm flying off carrying Meg. <laughs> She's taking a break from carrying Xavier around like a toddler. <laughs> the only other thing that I want to mention in this episode, and it's going to be a recurring thing theme. The character who Bishop meets in the time place is just awful. Carrot top. I'm very confused by this. Is the janitor. That, you know, the gen- is that a character in the MCU? Because I keep thinking, is this a takeoff of Pip the Troll? I don't know. Um, and I'm not sure if I can find out. Uh also, ignore this conversation, Sam. Pip the Troll is a character. Yeah, because I, I, I was just, like, oh, this is Pip the Troll, surely, you know. Yeah. He had a lot of Pip um, about him. But he I just typed in Beyond Good and Evil. I just typed in Beyond Good and Evil to find out, but Google came up with a book by Frederick Nietzsche. Um, and I'll come to that later, Sean. I've got a few points yeah. on, on that. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, um, so yeah, he calls himself Bender. In the in this show, by the oh way. yeah, it's Bender. Bender. Hmm. But I thought he was possibly Pip the Shop to the troll. I don't know if there was licensing issues there at the time that this uh, animated series was out. I'm not sure if that would have been an issue. Um, didn't I didn't like him? That's 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 for sure. Um, do you know well, what he I, reminded I me of, him. Sam? Um, he reminded me of. Um, Oh, wow, there's a long list of cameos that I definitely missed. I'm just looking at these episodes. but um, Who did it remind you of? When the Autobots end up on that random planet in the Transformers movie and the robots on that planet speak in TV commercials. <laughs> Sorry, did you mention a uh, different planet? I didn't watch that part of the movie, obviously. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, I've got in this episode, WTF is going on. What is going on with Bishop? Um, Beast's drivel has not grown on me, which you re- referenced earlier, Pat. I've really mm. distanced it myself from Beast. Um, yeah. Imagine, yeah. Imagine wearing aviators in your wedding photos. Uh, like, <laughs> like this will mean absolutely nothing to you, Sam, but Pat, apparently Bender is Immortus slash Nathaniel Richards, the father of Reed Richards. I'm not having that. (laughs) It's just the guys, though, apparently. Yeah, that's disappointing. Because he's he's at the end. So that's his Citadel at the end of time is the the nexus of all time, is it? Is that what they're trying to do? Yes, so. Sam, how much do you revel in things like the nexus of all time? I don't know what that is. That place, the place that Apocalypse is doing all his deeds from. 
Uh, that looks pretty cool. It's not in space, is it? No, it's outside of time. <laughs> it looked cool. I, I, to be quite honest with you, I was really, really confused a lot of these episodes. Should we, should we run through the episodes and then we can try and recap it together at the end? Oh no, you've just spent a, got thrown a massive spanner in the works there with Immortus. Yeah, that's gonna. I knew that would upset you. Yeah, um, it really is. So, episode two. Apocalypse kidnaps another psychic mutant. Um, Lilandra warns Xavier of what's going on. Um, and Xavier determines that they're going to, they're trying to catch a psychics. And so they work out, um, to go and find psychic mutants to capture them while they're trying to capture them. Um, Shard and Wolverine go to protect Psylocke. This is our first look at Psylocke. Yes. Yeah, because yeah. one of my notes was, is this Psylocke? Because she's got the face coverings and you know, a little mm. bit of rags and stuff. <laughs> and they slowly start to fall away. And she starts looking nothing, like a maid. Nothing says Psylocke. ninja like a swimsuit. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, and yeah, so, uh, but Psylocke ends up being kidnapped by Magneto, who seems to be working with Apocalypse. Uh, in the Access of Time Control Center, the nexus of all time, whatever that place is. And in, in is it 3999, Cable reveals a plan to go back in time. My first note for this episode was, ah, oh, fuck, not the Shia. How's Sam going to handle this? <laughs> well, my first note says, fucking space. <laughs> yeah, good. Very good. My, Actually, my first, my first note is, I'm constantly zoning out. <laughs> Nah, my actual first note, I didn't see it, um, said, ah, there's purple star screams in these episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I had one note about um, Psylocke and War in that scene when that's, you know, a bit of cat and mouse going on, and uh, Richard, uh, sorry, um, Angel is mid-sentence trying to do like a real cool superhero line and Psylocke just kicks in the face while he's saying it and I'm just like, why doesn't this happen more often in all action movies? Like, why are you letting them have a monologue? Just kick them in the face now. <laughs> I was like, that was brilliant. That was really good. That'll actually come up again later. Um, really? Why uh, in episode four. Or part four. Um, well, the other interesting thing I thought was I was listening to Shard really closely and I was like, I am sure that this is the same voice actor as Storm. I've got this in my notes. So I, so I, I looked but you know, I, I tried to find out who the voice actor was for each of them and it's a different person and it's not. Oh, really? I, so I, so I it's was. Not an I, interesting comment at all. <laughs> but it's so always I've time got... in this podcast. I've got notes about Shard's voice as well, because I feel like whoever's voicing Shard is trying real hard to put on a very, like, caricature-ish um, black American accent. And so if it was the same actress um, who was doing Storm, there'd be a way to differentiate the characters. Yeah. But she is, she's got a real, like, sassy sort of, like, yeah. And I was like, is this, I don't know, offensive? Maybe not. 
Possibly. Um, um, I'm going to note that Warren's looking. Sorry, sorry, Warren's looking real good in his his new, more classic X Men duds, the blue and white with the halo, with the halo on the chest. Yeah, I like that. How do you feel? How how do you feel every time there's a saber tooth and Meg fight, Weller? That always gets me going. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Looks like the kidnappers' union will let anyone in. I'm collecting dues. Anytime they, they fight, it just like really harks back memories to a certain series of um, Flare Ultra cards from the nineties that were always like this person classic this battles. Person. It was always like a classic Wolverine versus Sabretooth, and I'm always like, "Yeah, here we go." What are you gonna do? Eat your spinach. <laughs> Let's see what you had for breakfast. It's like WrestleMania. Every time those two get together, you're like, oh, yes. so it's like when uh, HBK fought The Undertaker for five WrestleManias in a row. <laughs> Give the people what they want. Um, what else happens? Um, I've I just written <clears throat> cables. Cable's future, this is all over the place. This is really hard to follow. I also quite like that Psych and Storm have an argument. It's quite a good, because Storm's obviously a sometimes leader of the X-Men, Cyclops is sometimes leader of the X-Men, and just their good little argument about what they should do. Cyclops is like, well, let's go to where the psychics are and capture, you know, spring the trap. And Storm's like, we need to protect them. And it's a nice little... Sort of where they stand as leaders. Cyclops is a lot more of the... Well, you don't really get to see it as much in the animated series, but Cyclops is a lot more of the... Like, he has a, he has morality or whatever, but he he is prepared to do what what has to be done to save the mutants or whatever, whereas Storm is a, a proper leader with, like, that's... You can't... You have to save people. You can't just... I feel yeah. like the last episodes cyclops or uh has seems to have taken a bit more of a back seat in regards to leadership mm, it's fair he's just not in many episodes and if he is he's a bit character he's not being shown as the person out in front necessarily mm. uh xavier seems to be more taking the reins um storm he's certainly going on more field missions much more field <clears throat> missions but I wonder if that's like the a bit of a point of at least these four, I think, is like this is the biggest thing that they've faced so far. You know, like Apocalypse could rewrite all of whatever. So it's, it's all, you know, the gloves are off. You know, it's no holds mm. barred. Everyone's got to do what they have to do here. It's not so much uh, by the book. Um, should we get uh, into part three? Yeah, I've got nothing for this episode, pretty much. Maybe three three, three notes. <laughs> I've watched this episode. I, I, I've got two notes, and one of them is not following what's going on. <laughs> I, um, Cable I, wants I, to rent a time machine. Yeah, I watched these last two episodes like a couple. It's pretty much as soon as I got home from Pat's. So I'd had a couple of beers, and hey. I, really, I really started to enjoy Beyond Good and Evil at this point. <laughs> Um, so part three, so Cable... We've really just uh, destroyed the illusion that we're all sitting in a room discussing this. 
over a coffee. Yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so Cable uses um, a time-travelling ship to go back to the past, which is called Grey Malkin, which is a big... That's his ship in the comic books. It's a big deal. Um, but unbeknownst to him, he's thrown off course by Apocalypse and lands in the present, which seems weird because, what, did he want Cable to team up with the X-Men? I don't know. The X-Men decide to help him in destroying Apocalypse's Lazarus chamber where he goes to sleep for a hundred years or whatever to rejuvenate or whatever he does. And then they help most of the X-Men and Cable go back to ancient Cairo. Um, except Apocalypse obviously knew this was going to happen because he can see all of time or whatever and uses the opportunity to get Xavier as his last piece to the capturing all the psychics. I really enjoyed the Cairo scenes. The ancient Egypt scenes. No comment. I'm just here so that I don't get fined. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely... Cannot remember this episode, and I watched it a couple of days ago. Oh, right, I, yeah, I, I watched maybe... it recently, and then I also put all of these four on when you left while I was making um, my daughter's kitchen set. Um, I've got some things to confusing. talk about for this episode. This is right. Cable and his son Tyler both have massive shoulder pads. What are your thoughts? <laughs> Love them. Yeah, yeah. I was a big Steve Menzies fan, so. Yeah, all about pads and headgear. The question I've got for you, Wella, knowing a little bit about the powers and stuff, I got a little bit confused about... So they're trying to stop Apocalypse from going into his rejuvenation chambers, basically. Mm. I think they're trying to destroy does, them does with he, the idea that if they destroy does, the chamber... Sorry, carry on. Does he lose his powers if he doesn't do that within a certain power of time, a point of time? Because that's, as far as I know, not can't be accurate. I is think it, is, I, is that the reason they're trying to do that, or is it just I, like he does that because you know, you know, he he needs some R and R. I think it's R and R, but I think the point is if they destroy the Lazarus Chamber at that time, Apocalypse won't have it to live forever to cause all the mayhem he's caused. But I mean, if it's just R and R, it's just like removing it from like he's like, oh, I'm fucked off that that spar's not in my fucking city anymore. <laughs> I think it's like a sci-fi spar that has. So my question is, what happens qualities. if he does not have his his Lazarus pit? As it, were? I think he dies of like normal age type stuff. Okay. That makes more sense. That wasn't clear at all, but I wasn't, you know, fully paying attention because I kept zoning out. But I don't think they made that clear in these um, very, very boring episodes. Yeah, that's what fair. about uh, what did you see? What about Sabretooth's like cow catcher he had on his mouth at the start of the episode? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta say, I revel when they're trying to get information out of Sabretooth and it's like Cyclops and Archangel and Meg walks in and he's like, the professor needs you in the, in the war room. And they walk out and he's like, all right, bub, let's talk or whatever. And takes all the restraints off so they can scrap. And then the, just the next, you don't see the fight. You just see Wolverine walk into the war room with a defeated Sabretooth. Drags him in. Hmm. And then biffs him on the table. Yeah. Real bad. So that's quite good. I did remember some of the episode. 
And uh, when when they're on the in Grey Malkin going to back to Cairo or whatever, and um, me and and it's, you know a bit of turbulence, and Meg says, "Whoa, good thing they don't serve lunch on this flight." <laughs> a lot I've got of me. one from a saber tooth when he tells someone to suck rocks. <laughs> I like that. That was I, that's that was where I was like saber tooth is peak like nineties WWF before his WWE wrestler. Just like does he, all of them. Does he say that to Ooh, one eye? Suck rocks. Ooh. Suck rocks, pretty boy. Mm. Um, <clears throat> should we get into part four? Maybe. So Maybe Cable three. next been destroy the Lazarus Chamber, but it doesn't matter because Apocalypse exists out of time now. They use Cable's computer and Cerebro to trace the homing device on the Professor. Um to find out where he is and his plan is to use the psychics to destroy all time, recreate, recreate the universe where he will rule unchallenged. Um, Cable takes off to do it on his own because that's Cable's supposed to be like this great military leader and he's just making ridiculous calls all the time through these episodes. Um, but anyway, so Magneto feels deceived by apocalypse. So attacks him. Cable joins the fight. Apocalypse begins the process of doing what he wants to do and people start to disappear. Bishop sees this and releases the Cyclops. Um, Sinister and the Nasty Boys get the hell out of there. Four horsemen lose. Um, Then the Psychics, when they're released, move Apocalypse to the astral plane, so he's stuck and uh, everyone gets returned to their present time. Cable goes back to his time. Everyone wins. Um... What are you doing with her, you pile of dog puke? <laughs> oh, jeez. There's heaps of psychics in this episode that I couldn't recognise, and um, I just looked them up before. Um, I did notice Rachel Gray, who is the Days of Future Past daughter of um, Scott and Jean. Um, apparently Moondragon, Strife, Emma Frost, Moondragon. Gremlin, Mastermind... Karma, the Shadow King, um, and other typhoid Mary, Vrant, I don't These might not be much. Is Moondragon the mind reader? I don't know much about Moondragon. I know she's Drax's daughter or something. Yeah, she's got something to do with the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, okay. Um, anything to say on this whole? I'm happy to wrap this up pretty quickly here. They still haven't fixed horses flying. Yeah. All the legs are static as they fly through the air. It looks weird. Oh, no, these ones are like robots as well, but still, even the robot horses, you'd think they'd give their legs a little flail as they flew. Um, this, this episode harks back to what Pat was saying about Psylocke kicking Angel in the face. Um, Apocalypse lets Meg live for some reason, and that certainly comes to bite him in the ass later. I, um, he like says to him, "You're gonna see, stay here to see everything you care about go, or whatever." It's like, "Don't you have it, Mars? Off the sky." Hello, Alice. Um, She's I okay. was, I was confused. Same. I wrote this, but then it kind of got explained, but explained very poorly, as to how their power was somehow greater than Apocalypse's at the end when they defeated him. Just, it was just like, 
was Psychicking like, together. It's the end of the part, so we have to uh, get rid of him somehow. Yeah. Um, we can I, love it all out. I, feel like you, I feel like just by asking that question, you've understood this series. <laughs> more than me. I, was, I don't know what the fuck's happening right now. I, I love when... The end and everyone started embracing, and I was like, is Shard and Bishop brother and sister? <laughs> because they hug weird. That Tyler's Things... mum. <laughs> was that Cable's Cable's son? Is Tyler Cable's son or Yeah. Yeah. All right. Who's Cable's yeah. wife? Mm, undisclosed. She's in the comics, I can't remember. Cable's backstory is way too complicated and we but don't have enough time because I need to pee. The last thing, um so Beyond Good and and Evil. Friedrich Nicht. Uh, which is it Nitschke? Un- Nitschke? That sounds way more. I just have scribbled it down and I can't read it. Um, so that, like, I think the idea behind that, from what I've read, is that like the concept of good and evil are like constructs, like co- cultural constructs, rather than like there being a good and evil. Um, so, do you think that they they had thought about that in these episodes? It's, it seems like when they pick these types of things as titles or like even nods like the book that Beast is reading or whatever, it's deliberate. Yeah. But it's like, they don't translate it very well because they also talk in this episode about Apocalypse being the uh, personification of evil and Beast yeah. talks about how evil has to exist, uh, you know, like it'll take another form and Cable's like, well, I'll just deal with that later. Yeah, but then also you did mention earlier um, it, it's not necessarily um, just these four episodes, but like Cyclops as a leader will just kind of like do what needs to be done, even if it's considered to be bad or evil, like he'll do it for the greater good. Um, yeah, so Let's I just not forget, intri- he's, he's, an angry, he's an angry man in, in this series. So... Not a bad person to have in charge when you you know you're constantly at war, as it were. Mm. But he he's he's fiery. Mm. Um, look, I think they tried to do something here that was like the culmination of four seasons of popular cartoons and just got themselves in over their head. Because, mm. um, yeah, it's like in watching these four episodes, there's, it's all there. It could be amazing and it just feels a little bit off. I, I did enjoy it more as I watched it, but I, you know, like I still don't think it's like there's way, there's way better stuff in this series than this four parter. Oh, definitely. I mean, yeah. I'll be really interested because I think next season and season five is pretty wonky, but we get a three or four parter, or maybe, I don't know, maybe it's two. I can't remember, but the Phalanx Kevin. Covenant. I'd be interested to see how that compares to this because it's completely different, but it's it's in a similar vein in terms of crossover and characters and all that sort of stuff. So um, I'd be interested to see how that compares to this and compares to the other major crossovers we've seen. I, I know you won't remember season, it. Season five is super crazy, where it's just like you'll love it or hate it type stuff, whereas. Season five's pretty bad on the whole. 
animation <laughs> and stuff's just all over the place. Oh, the, oh, I don't know. The failing stuff I quite like. Yeah, the failing um, stuff is all right. We'll see. We'll see. Um, Sam, any any other thoughts from you? It's weird. Oh yeah, I think I talked about it a lot in the in the Dark Phoenix and the Phoenix Saga episodes. It, it's hard to do. It's hard to. I I think they've found it hard to go from comics over to TV series and deciding what to take out and what to keep in. Um, from someone who doesn't know anything about it, hasn't read the comics, hasn't watched watched this before, hasn't watched any movies. Um, yeah, it just the one off episodes are are easier to follow. What's interesting, and I could be wrong, and you know, hit me up in the slacks if I am. But most of what we see in the series is in some way or another pulled from comics. But there's no obvious X Men crossover storyline linking to Beyond Good and Evil that I know of. Oh, okay. Interesting. Mm. Could be. It's quite, it's quite interesting that you have that take from not knowing the comics or the movies. It's like, yeah, it is fucking hard to do a crossover. Like, it is hard to make a comic book, a movie, or a comic book, a TV show, or a movie, a TV show, or a TV show, a movie. Like, there is just something lost from the original piece, if the original piece is great. Or a book mm. to a movie a la Harry Potter. What's mm. a book? <laughs> <laughs> right. I think we've run our course here, and I don't want to wrap things up because I really yeah. need to go to the bathroom. Uh, but, yeah, so we're hitting season five next, and um, we've only got two episodes to cover season five. I think it's only... a 10 episode from memory. Um, we've definitely got the Phalanx Covenant um, crossover. And watch me stall while I bring up the other episodes to come. <laughs> yeah, oh no, Fa- so Phalanx Covenant 1 to 2, Stormfront 1 to 2, The Fifth Horseman, episode 13, and then episode 14 will be the end of the series. Um, so Until uh, for- the new ones come out. Oh, yeah. Marty can come on for those ones. Let's get out of here. Mission accomplished, buddy. Let's go home. Two to go.